I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Janine Chastain. We're collaborating on curated conversations to explore how the industry of architecture is changing. Together, we'll find ways to create new solutions to current challenges while elevating the value of architects. Welcome to Practice Disrupted. Hello, listeners. Hello, Janine. Hi, Evelyn. Hi, Disruptors. We always try to bring on individuals within the architectural space who have found themselves on unique career paths. And this week's guests continue to highlight the various career journeys available to architects. Alma Lopez has over 15 years in workplace experience and has established herself as a visionary in the industry. Mexican-American from Texas, she made her way to the Bay Area to study interior architecture and design at the Academy of Art University. As the head of creative at Kanoa, Alma is currently focused on bringing to market a diverse curation of brands, products, and ready-to-use design templates that bias sustainable solutions and share carbon data. By doing so, she aims to create better access to healthier solutions for people and our planet. Alma co-founded a POC Experience Design Studio in 2021, Additions, where she focused on helping clients embrace the fast-changing world of workplace and community activations, supporting underrepresented artists throughout the U.S. In over two years, Additions worked on pilot programs focused on iterative and experiential environments through custom FF&E solutions. In 2022, Additions merged with Kanoa. Alma's exceptional work caught the attention of tech giants, resulting in her designs being featured in publications such as Architectural Digest, Wallpaper, and the New York Times. Before additions, her multifaceted career has spanned across working for notable design studios, O plus A and Assembly, where she spent years designing small to large scale tech workspaces all around the world, having worked on global projects with Uber, Alibaba, Yelp, Google, Unity, and Cisco. Her work has been recognized in Interior Design Magazine, Inc., World's Coolest Offices, Fast Company, and won the Good Design Award in Furniture. Elizabeth, or Liz, is head of brand at Kanoa. Liz spent 14 years in the interior design industry, having a diverse range of roles in commercial interior design, branding, and marketing. Working with major furniture manufacturers, global furniture dealerships, and co-founding her own design and strategy studio with Alma Editions in 2021. So now at Kanoa, she focuses on brand design and development and go-to-market strategies to grow Kanoa's interior design user base. Her work focuses on telling stories around the evolving craft of interior design, new technology adoption, and the power of community. Liz has also been featured at Milan Design Week, the New York Times, Architectural Digest, and Sight Unseen, to name a few. Liz studied interior architecture and design at Academy of Art University in 2011 and later went on to complete an executive education Stanford D School CFI certification program, which is on customer-focused innovation in 2019. We featured Kanoa's CEO, Federico Negro, in Season 3 of Practice Disrupted in Episode 67, and we're going to post the link to that episode in the show notes. It's one of our most downloaded episodes. But within any business, it's taken quite a few pivots since that moment in time for the business to continue to evolve and grow to what it is today. 
Our focus today with Alma and Liz will look at their evolution from firm ownership to mergers and what it's like to work in a tech startup, and also get an update on what they're working on in Kanoa today. So we've done the formal bios. Welcome, Alma and Liz. I'm so glad to have you on the show. I feel like we've been talking on and off about how Kanoa and Practice of Architecture can partner more in the future. So taking this step on Practice Disrupted, we are super happy to have you here. Anything you would like to add that you want our listeners to know about you before we jump into the conversation? Thanks, Janine and Evelyn, for having us. This is kind of a funny, hard question. Something that people who know me know this, but those that are listening may not know, is that I'm American, but I'm actually a third culture kid. My dad worked for the Defense Department, so I actually grew up traveling around the world, living in different cultures and places. And so I lived in Morocco, Texas, and and Germany for for 10 years before landing in San Francisco for college, which was kind of like the first time as an American that I actually got to experience America, which definitely has impacted me personally and in my career. Thanks so much, Evelyn and Jillian, for having us on. We're excited to be here. I think... You know, I think most people that know me probably or, or just seen for me just probably get like this big burst of energy for me. And it's very infectious. I think maybe the only thing I can say is about just about like my history a little bit. I actually didn't really grow up around design and art. You know, I think this is part of like just why I'm so deeply rooted for being a POC and, and being a, rep, you know, representing for that. But also it'll tie in a little bit to why, you know, we are here at Kanoa. And, and what we're doing here and why, and really why a part of it, it was an excitement to merge with, with them. But it is because, you know, not growing up around these tools or not growing up around design in that sense and, you know, moving here to San Francisco to actually learn a skill and, and being fortunate to have, you know, worked with some of the best people in the industry in design, you know, again, to really learn a skill because I was, you know, hand, you know, handed these tools and could hack and create however I wanted really was the premises for my growth and why I'm here. So I think it's very important to, I know I'm not the only one that didn't grow up around design. So the fact that I got here when I was 20 years old and really the first time I experienced that to be here now, I think is pretty powerful and, you know, want to make sure that we, you know, also find there are a ton of other people like this. And I really think that this is part of the DNA for me personally in coming here to Panama. So I'm assuming you all met in San Francisco or where did you meet? So <laughs> our, our our history, Alma and I both went to Academy of Art University. She was a year ahead of me. And we it was kind of funny because we knew of each other and we had some mutual friends, but we didn't really hang out that much. But I would always see her stuff in like the spring show. And then I'd be like, I want my stuff in the spring show. And then I would work really hard and get my stuff in the spring show because I would see Alma's work. And so I think from like a distance, we like knew each other, kind of respected each other. And then when we both graduated, we went our separate ways and kind of still kind of like watched each other at afar. And I think it wasn't until was it 2018 that we reconnected randomly during Milan Design Week. She happened to randomly walk into the same bar that I was at very late at night. And we were like, Alma, Liz, and kind of caught up and and it had been like a 10 year span almost. And so realized that through, you know, working at different firms and manufacturers that we both had ended up at competing furniture dealerships and kind of the same creative director role. And so from then on, we just really connected and touch base with each other. We shared a lot of 
of the same passions and pain points of the industry. And then also shared a lot of like excitement around where the industry was going. And so I think that that really helped us between 2018 and 2022, which we all know what happened then and kind of stay grounded and connected, not only for ourselves, but also within within the industry. It's interesting to me that I mean, the San Francisco design community is relatively small, especially those that are working on the workplace side. And then you guys found each other in a in a bar in another country (laughs) as like the new as like the reintroduction to one one another. Yeah. During during Milan Design Week. So we were there, you know, for work and, and celebrating design at a global scale, which was just an amazing experience. So it kind of felt kind of kismet in a sense that our reconnection was us there learning and celebrating together, which was, which was nice. And I mean, it is fair to say that I do know a lot of workplace individuals that like the two shows that they attend are Milan Design Week and Neocon. So if we were to like transport anywhere else, I mean, it makes sense, but it, I just find that it's funny, right? Yeah, that, yeah, no, it is. It happened that way. <laughs> so tell us about the transition from being in that bar again in Milan Design Week and really deciding to start a company together because I feel like starting and founding really a company together yeah <laughs> it's like it's equivalent of like many people would equate that to you know getting married so how <laughs> how did you guys decide to do this yeah it, you're right it is, it is a marriage and I think that I'll go in a little deeper because Liz is always telling me I'm the one with the emotions and the feelings the most but it, it is it is this I think our interactions since that time, we just kept in touch. And again, we would always, you know, reach out to each other when we had these pain points. And I think really for us, the pivotal point was, I think we just respected and admired what we were both doing. And we were just trying to move the needle in any capacity that we could have, right? So, you know, kind of going back to being in Milan and then, you know, a time in in January of, of 2021, ended up coming over to Liz's and we were just talking about the work. And I think it just, that night, we just, talked about these dreams of what we can accomplish and you know I think it just I don't know it just like clicked for us and after that it was like I couldn't unsee it and then you know we that night we actually ended up like putting post-its all over Liz's kitchen wall and and living room and started to just create what additions was we had no idea and I think the difference is, you know, I think Liz and I both had opportunities to start business with other people, but I think with Liz in particular, she just reciprocated every single thing that I was doing. And there was no like, wait, it wasn't like, let's do this. Let's catch up next week. It was like the next morning, Liz like showed up and was like, hey, I thought about this last night. And I just did this whole like strategic map because Liz is like has her strategic mind hat on. And then I'm like, oh, my God, like she really wants to do this. So then I think for for me, you know, just it was a no brainer for both of us. And then I will say a funny story is after we kind of had some huge successes, because obviously we knew each other, but not on this business level. I would say maybe like six or eight months in, we kind of had a, a, a one-on-one kind of conversation. And I was like, you know, I have to admit, Liz, I was really scared to do this with you, but like, I trusted you because you were so confident. And she's like, Alma, I did the same thing. I, I trusted you because you were confident. And for me, I was like, had we have told each other that we were so insecure and not confident, I don't think that that would have, this would have came out the same way because we would have second guessed ourselves, but because I trusted her and she trusted me, like it really was a leap of faith of like, it is this marriage of like, Hey, like I trust you and we're going to jump together and you're reciprocating. And it's definitely one of the healthiest relationships that, that I've had. So it was a lot. 
Yeah, I feel that way about Evelyn. Like when we jumped into doing the podcasting together, like it was really much about we both had this shared passion for something and we I felt stronger with her than like without, you know, her because she was doing something that was so unique and I hadn't seen anybody else kind of go step in that direction before. So it was really amazing to, you know, have that partnership. And I always am like hesitant on saying something like this, but like you both are fairly young in your careers. And I mean, it's notable to me that you're both women and like, can you tell us to the extent that you feel comfortable, like where were you at in your career when you guys started and how long has the company existed? Yeah. So, so started at 2021 I think, Alma, what we were both, well, it's kind of funny. We were both in the same place in our careers where at the firms, the studios that we were at, we had really wanted to, you know, get a director position and to really be not only acknowledged as leaders, but also promoted into the work that we thought that we were doing and to really help the companies that we were working with, like lead them in in a way that we saw an exciting opportunity within the industry, even during the pandemic. And we were having a lot of friction getting there. And so it's kind of funny because then we went and started a new business and all of a sudden become co-founders. And we called ourselves creative directors instead of principals because we didn't want like the stodgy architectural, like traditional titles and also just how we were building our own studio was a little bit different. And so we kind of, what was interesting, because Alma actually ended up getting promoted right before she left, which you can tell that story, Alma. But it really came out of this, this feeling of frustration within our industry as young women that we were producing good work, we were thought leaders, but we kept asking others to have us be at their table. And it wasn't until we created our own table and invited people in that we actually started to see so much success within our careers. And so it's kind of funny you know, question and conversation about where were you in your career because we weren't in director positions, but we were because we believed in ourselves. And as soon as we did and we brought others in, really, really our lives changed. Yeah. And to add to that, you know, certainly it's it's never to say anything negative about like any of the companies, you know, when people leave, right? It really is if you want to do your own thing and, and make a mark on the world and and make an imprint, like you, you have to do your own thing, right? Because you're always going to follow the vision of the leaders there, which is, un- which is understandable, right? And it just, it just felt like we had been craving this new way of design. And the fact that like, I mean, I think the big thing that we haven't even mentioned is it happened during COVID, right? So this all happened when things were very uncertain. And we just, it was just something that we, we couldn't sleep anymore, right? We were just very like, this is different. This is it. And like, we're going to miss our chance because we all know that timing is everything. And I think that we did it at the right time and we never had to force any clients to come over. Any, any every, Everything just magnetically really came to us, which I think yeah. just made it so we were very, very aligned. And I think that's why we were very, very successful. And we, I think we saw a whole industry of people for the for once they also saw, like felt seen because of what we were doing so i think it was very important to us to continue on that path and whoever wanted to join us can you articulate like what it is that that is that spark that like pulled both of you in and that other people started recognizing what is that piece yeah. that you saw i was going to say just like so for context as we talk about this it was is a uh, creative studio focused on creating 
new forms of connection through spatial experiences. And so instead of going in and saying, you know, we want to become an architectural practice focused on workplace or commercial or retail, we really wanted to go deep into this like human-centric approach of what is the new form of connection and how does space help foster that? And so we started with that concept. And part of that concept, just based off of our backgrounds of, of interior design and architecture and really furniture design and furniture procurement, what we realized in 2020 and 2021 was that there was this huge opportunity for companies that were needing to do new test fits and strategies, but they needed to implement them fast and learn in the pandemic. And so we realized that for the next two to three years, all of this is going to be done through furniture. And it needs to be, you know, quick six-week design sprints. And then implementation needed to happen really fast. And the reality of that, I think a lot of people kind of saw that, but the reality of that is that the implementation of that was really hard. And so how we were able to do that was through kind of this community-centric approach, which is one of the values of of both of us that we have even carried into Kanoa, and that's how do we source locally? How do we engage makers and fabricators? And then also engage our customers, which when, you know, between six or seven different customers, we know furniture they don't need anymore. So can we actually sell it to another customer to outfit their space? And so it became this like huge community working together and actually bringing like a lot of workplace leaders together, bringing different companies together to be like, how can we start to find and source things that then become environmentally friendly? We're supporting each other and we're actually supporting the local economy that was having such a hard time and actually really helping those those makers last COVID. And so I think that's what with Alma to add on to what you were saying is that the community out here in San Francisco just saw it in such kind of a dark time. There was just a lot of energy and abundance happening. And I think it's like what Liz said, right? Like that, and I'm surprised you didn't say this, Liz, because it was really the whole reason why we started additions was like we don't we don't want to work we don't want to do workplace anymore. We were like we're gonna do some fun stuff, and we were like we're gonna do exhibitions and community like pop ups, and a lot of that came from you know because of COVID, and, and at least me personally, I, I like you know when it was very de- like no one's buying furniture, no one was doing anything, and like to get these calls from all the all my friends who are in the like brands and, and local fabricators of like like the de- desperation of like Alma like is there any projects you could put me in like do you know anything I just like bought a new studio like and I I have nothing coming in like and it was I felt so helpless right as somebody who who you know was leading the furniture design and and, and the procurement at this you know previous company it was it was like I could do nothing but like watch it kind of all fall. And I think we all saw in SF how immediately it just went down. And I think I never, I was like, we have to do something. We have to do something and continue to uplift them. And really that's, that's was the, the DNA of, of, of editions of exhibitions and community. And we were like, okay, we're going to have a pop-up. And we posted one Instagram photo of us starting our business in May when we officially launched. And all of a sudden, like, tech started hitting us up and and I was like, well, maybe we should do tech a little bit because we need money to actually fund the things because we just both quit our jobs in the middle of the pandemic. So that's really (laughs) kind of how it went. And Liz, I know you can chime in on it, but it was, you know, it was a whirlwind. It was a whirlwind. We had never planned ever, ever planned on, on being 
um, getting so busy. And I think because we had planned on doing the pop-up in October, November, and December, and, and finding space for the community pop-up was also very hard, which is own challenges, but we, it just was never set up for community. And I'd like to think that we had an impact on San Francisco because now I see more pop-ups happening, but it really was hard to do that in the beginning. And when people showed up at those pop-ups, it just felt like very alike. Just to add on, it was it's funny when we started, we just did one Instagram post of a picture of us together saying we started a company. And as Alma said, a lot of people just started reaching out, which we thought, you know, we were going to have to like amp up marketing and business development, but immediately got called. And within like the first year and a half, like the impact that we had was we were close to designing close to a million square feet of office space furniture in the middle of the pandemic, which was insane. And, and, you know, unfortunately, we can't say a lot of the tech companies' names, but we were working with a lot of big tech companies and bringing in the community. And it was just one of the most rewarding experiences that we actually have had to witness. And even seeing some of the big tech companies actually really caring about, yes, I want to source local. How are we all in this together? It was it was pretty incredible. Yeah, we were brokering deals from like somebody that didn't want their, they wanted to switch up their furniture and then they wanted other furniture. So we were like brokering deals without even realizing what we were doing of like, this is pre-owned, this is pre-owned, we're mixed. And then both of them were our clients. And then all, and then again, think COVID time, like everything was backed up. Nobody was going, doing construction, no permits were going through. Literally was just FF&E and because we had experience in that, we were just like moving so quickly and you know, we even got asked from the big design firms, like, they're like, can we partner on things with you? You guys are like getting really busy. Like, how can we help? And we can be your, like, just, it just the, everywhere we were going, it just kind of kept blossoming. And I think it was, it is going back to the power of the community, the community that we built in SF and everyone really showing up for us and not feeling like we're competing because I really truly think people were rooting for us in, in, in a positive way to be successful because we were just breaking a lot of barriers at the time. And like, discovering what we thought was the right approach for, you know, workplace at the time with the tools that we had. So it's interesting to me that you said you guys didn't want to do workplace. And then I'm hearing a lot of, you know, like what you did regarding moving FNFNE furniture and kind of reselling furniture. Like I, I see a lot of that built into Kanoa now. So when did you first get introduced to Fed and the team? And then, like, what did that conversation between the two of you come from? Like, we've just, we have all of this energy behind what we're doing. And now we're going to kind of announce another change to what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I think, I think from a professional practice standpoint, so we, we met the CEO Federico of Kanoa through one of our advisors. And so when Alma and I started Editions, one of the things that we initially did just to pretty much give us feedback and make sure that we were on track is that we actually set, set up an advisory board and which consisted of Mel- Melissa Shelton, president of Vitra North America, Chris Hansel, who's at CBRE, Liz Guerrero, who is a design director at Rivian, and then Omar Ramirez, who is an entrepreneur and does a lot of different things, but at the time had his own consultancy called Affordances. And so he knew because we were sharing our business practices and strategies and where we were wanting to go. And so he actually had met Kanoa. And then because he knew what we were doing was like, you two need to meet. And so he set up a meeting for us. 
And I think the initial meeting with Fed, we saw this technology that really was taking into practice what Alma and I were doing from a manual level and building technology around design, sourcing, scaling, you know, purchasing and making what we were doing into like a legitimate scalable business backed by technology. And so we were initially kind of like blown away because we had never seen anything like that in the industry. We both were like, man, I wish we had this when we were junior designers or when we were working at furniture dealerships, because it really brought a tech stack into one versus having to operate in like 10 different technologies, which we were doing at additions. And so all of a sudden by kind of becoming early adopters of it, we were able to legitimately scale our business, hire six people, take on a bunch of different customers because we now had this technology that we could find products, we could, you know, lay out products, our floor plans were live with enriched data versus it taking, you know, weeks and weeks to do, we could do our work within like a matter of a couple of hours, which was a game changer for us. I don't know, Alma, if that, that's like more of the business side. And then there was like how we really connected with the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, everything was said. And I think really, you know, that it kind of happened pretty quickly. I have to say, it's not like we sat on this for like months. I think it was really within like days that we knew, you know, that we wanted to join. And I think, you know, obviously you guys have had Federico on this on your on your podcast so you can already see the person that he is the vision that he's creating and like so passionate and to you know obviously him being the founder and everyone else you know also have that same infectious you know sort of personality and like drive and passion it just it just felt like they were our people to to do something with and you know I kind of going back to the conversation in the beginning of like you know I I personally had had never grew up around design and art and and to, you know, think about, you know, all the other designers in, you know, in the world that junior designers, right, that are probably churning and doing good work. And, you know, we all know in this industry that you have to do at least 15, 20 years till you start making an impact. And, you know, and I understand, you know, I understand for that reason, right, there's a hierarchy, but like, but why, you know, why can't, you know, everyone just, you know, bring, because I, I mean, I think of myself, like, I was in the corner doing I don't know, restrooms for a while doing 3D. And it's like, sure, like, let's build foundations. But like, I also had, you know, inspiration and things that I wanted to do. And I thankfully, I, I was, it was at studios that really just allowed me to grow in that. But I know not everyone has those opportunities. So for me, it's personal. And I think to have a tool that, and this is exactly what Fed said too, it's like, we have to move the scale, even if it's 0.001, like we move it and he's like, and we change something. And I think that was for me, the word, the phrase that he said that honestly made me so emotional. And I just like, we're going, we're going, like, we're going to do this. And you know, obviously, like that, that happened at night when we were at Tadage Grill in San Francisco. Over a couple of martinis, I'll admit that. And then the next morning, we were like, "Did Fed really like offer us to join?" And immediately, a text and was like, "I just want you know, I had a good time, and I met everything I said." And I'm like, "Oh my god, we're going!" So I think that that was really like, I mean, I tell the backstory because it was such a genuine connection, and really to get the to get the opportunity to do what we were doing on additions, but do it globally and actually build this tool. We really feel like we're the ones to do it. Like a hundred percent believe like we have experienced it all and want to bring this tool to everyone. And so that everyone feels seen because 
It really is. Good design should be accessible to everyone, not just the elite, not just people that have made a name for themselves, not just, you know, people that, you know, are rich or everything, right? So I think that that for, for me, for Liz and I was very, you know, pivotal to why we decided to leave. Because we were, you can you can speak to like the projects we were we were in a fork in the road. It was a it wasn't hard, but it was like we left a lot. Yeah, we left we we left a lot, but but I think it was it was just the natural progression. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about how interior design skills relate to a lot of different things. And it was kind of an aha moment for us because I don't think any of us saw ourselves at a at a tech company building software, but. It was this conversation that we had of, okay, do we stay and we go the traditional route and we scale our studio and we keep working with the 1% that can actually afford our services? Or do we go and build a software with an amazing team that actually helps the interior design industry do better? (laughs) And so it was, you know, do, do we make a name for ourselves or do we go and try and influence and help interior designers to you know, design better, whether that's healthier spaces, more sustainable spaces through technology. And so it was kind of like a no brainer, like we got to do this. <laughs> we got to help everyone. <laughs> first of all, it it warms my heart hearing that this business still happened at Tadich Grill, first of all. <laughs> like how San Francisco can you get? Fair. But also <laughs> Fed is pretty <laughs> magnetic. And I like, obviously he's had this vision for Kanoa and we talked mm-hmm. about this in the last episode, but for our new listeners that are maybe don't really totally understand, can you talk about the impact that, that Kanoa is having? Who's using it? Where do you see the most immediate return? And as it's been growing, I guess, the vision that you all are trying to work towards? So Kanoa is an AI-assisted collaborative online tool for interior designers to create and share data-rich mood boards, layouts, and product schedules with their teams. So what does that mean? What it means is that this is really the first tool that's browser-based. So anyone at the same time can be working together collaboratively, and they don't have to download or share files. So lets teams work together. It also lets them work on an infinite canvas. So you can go from mood boarding with like amazing imagery or products to actually working in two scale floor plans in that infinite canvas. And then the really amazing thing about it too is oftentimes there's like a big disconnection between like concepting and then actually like the tactics of getting, you know, schematic and procurement. And so what this does is you can actually use our AI, proprietary AI tool over products, product imagery, or even concept imagery. And it will actually give you recommendations that are in the catalog of Kanoa that have real uh, price points, real lead times. So your concepts and your designs, you can really download the schedule and you really have your budget and your ROM so that you can actually order, order the stuff right after you're done designing. And so from that, it really cuts a majority of the design process, not only down, it actually enhances the designer's experience and being able to focus on a lot of the creative stuff that that they're so good at versus having to work between three or four technologies to make sure like, I love my concept, I finally got approval, but sh- like shit, this, this furniture piece is now out of stock or that furniture piece was way too expensive. I now need to value engineer and take a couple of weeks to figure it out. It really brings that entire process together, which is, is really powerful. And I think to add to that is like to to understand the the furniture industry, but in the design industry, right? It it is 
it's almost like they function in two different, they function differently because you have like procurement and then obviously you have the designers that pick the furniture. So to have a, a platform that again, what Lucas said combines them together and then educating the designers from the beginning, which is what our big canvas launch is happening is again, just so instrumental to them. But I think the biggest part too is, is the brands, right? I think for a long time, brands and suppliers, you know, these beautiful furniture brands never really had a place to showcase their work. It's always like a, I got to go like make a lunch and learn meeting at, you know, so-and-so today. And they're just moving and moving and moving. And I think to now have a platform where they can actually go in there and update their information and, and own, own it. And then also be able to create inspiration boards and their own design. Cause they're also designers too, right? Like designers aren't just, like people that work at architecture firms they're graphic designers they're just you know designers at in-house somewhere and everyone's creative so i think this is where it's like kanoa is like a platform for everyone and designers are everyone whoever wants to be that and we're just really giving them the tool to be able to access good data so i think again the biggest which is what i'm doing right now is is focused on the suppliers and the brands and really giving them another creative outlet and another sales channel for them to be in front of these designers up front upstream and that's never existed before visually so i feel like this is where this is going to be huge for the brands not only just the designers it really is touching this you know archaic industry and actually forcing us to to be better and to be smarter and, and efficient. So not the power in the data is, is important. Well, and acknowledging, I think we always say this at Kanoa, and like acknowledging that like design is never done alone. And I think our industry puts people into buckets and silos them, unfortunately. Oh, you're at this brand, that must mean you're like a sales rep, like a furniture brand, you're just a sales rep, or you're an interior designer, or you're an architect, or you're an engineer, or you're a furniture dealer. There's just so many gamuts within our industry, but you're siloed. And then like, that's kind of the trajectory that you get to stay within. But the reality is that we all have to work together to be successful. And so the fact that there hasn't been a technology <laughs> that brings us all together yet is is kind of crazy, right? We have platforms like AIA and IIDA and BIFMA and a lot of others that are that are great for networking, but to actually work and get the work done has never really existed before, especially when it comes to furniture, because we're borrowing from ground up construction technologies. So that that's for us really, I think. The really exciting thing is, yes, practice and workflows and, and helping designers have better craft or helping the, the industry have better craft. But it keeps going back to like this whole concept of community that's all driven by the community. There's so much to unpack, I think, in, <laughs> in, in everything you guys just said. First of all, this is obviously an audio platform, so we will put like a, a little demo clip in the show notes. So anyone who visits the podcast episode can at least see what we're we're talking about, and then obviously a link out to Kanoa. I think the technology is—you guys gave me a first look at it, and the technology is really interesting. And understanding, like literally being more on the owner side of it, but like understanding lead times and get getting like literally, I say it's like adding things to my shopping cart at Amazon and being able to like hit order and understand like exactly how much that's going to cost me immediately is, you know, that all the back and forth, like you said, that you had to go through before between 
design to dealers to lead time, all of that is just saves so much time in the end. The other interesting thing that I love about this conversation is whenever anyone talks to me about moving to tech, they say, oh, I want to be a UX designer. So you guys are squarely in the tech. You're working for a startup, a tech startup as designer, but your titles, you know, Alma, you're head of creative, Liz, you're head of brand. So you are doing some, I imagine some of it might be UX, but you, but you are doing a lot more beyond that. So can you tell us a little bit about your role and how that's evolved and the skills that you brought to each of those roles, given your your background? So as, as head of brand running kind of brand design development and like go to market strategies, really at the, <laughs> at the root of it, I, I'm in charge of growing our user database. So really tapping into the community of interior designers, understanding what their craft is, what their frustrations are with their current workflows and connecting them to our product team as they're developing this new software. And then also making sure that we have a lot of users and and as growing that side of, of the business. I think it's interesting with interior design because oftentimes like you study interior design, interior architecture, and you think like, okay, I'm going to be a junior designer and then intermediate and then senior. And then I want to be the director. And then the next step is like, do I hop around to firms or do I start my own? And I think what was really interesting for me is that I've always been on like the design strategy of things. And so being able to actually relate that strategy work, because design is really just about solving problems. And so it does relate to a lot. And so taking that and being able to go into understanding go-to-market and pipelines and what stories and content actually resonate with our users and, and getting really into like the data in the weeds, not just the creative, has been really fulfilling for me. And, and I completely relate it 100% back to my design skill set and my toolkit that I've learned over the past years of what's made me successful, which I know is not necessarily a traditional <laughs> route. Yeah. And then for me, just to kind of, you know, summarize like my, the background, right? My background, it's, it's always been interior design, but also furniture. I think this is the part where I've always just been immersed in the furniture part and, and I've done custom designs and I've done product development for brands and, you know, furniture, rugs, et cetera. And I think for me to, you know, now kind of transition in this role at Canoe as head of creative to actually curate, you know, the brands that are coming on the platform, but also, you know, knowing that, you know, building the community and being the bridge is, is, you know, really important. And I think this is where, you know, why Liz and I, you know, will always kind of work together because, you know, Liz is working to build a, a designer community and I'm working to build the supplier one and how the, we're, we're just continuing to be the bridge, which is what we were doing at Editions, right? Where we were just teaming up with people and like collaborating. And I think that's really what we're doing. We're just, we're, Kanoa is just getting out of the way and being just the platform for everyone to connect. So, you know, again, it's just a big part of what I'm doing right now is just finding all these brands, you know, large brands, but also smaller brands. And I think the other part too is design designers are also creating product and, you know, why can't their designs be also showcased and, you know, why can't we connect them with the manufacturer? Because, and that's what we were doing additions. We had been working with, we did an exhibition for New Zealand where we brought six brands over from New Zealand to, to really break the market in, in America in general, but, you know, for them to really come to us and trust us to get their product, you know, again, what Liz is doing now, go to market strategy and designing for them and showcasing them in the right light and getting them the right people. Like that is literally what we're doing. We're, we've just, we're just doing it manually. Now we have the tech 
tech. So I think it is such a beautiful, you know, place to be and an, and an amazing opportunity to have the tech that is moving at such a rapid pace. But yeah, I mean, aside from just continuing the supplier brands and making a platform for them and having them be seen and listening to them constantly, you know, I'm also like myself and Pearl Lopez are, are really the power users for Kanoa right now. We're just like break it. Like I am focused on breaking that platform, like whatever I can. And I've got to, you know, I've broken a few times, uh, but it, it is like, we're the ones who are like in it to make sure that we're constantly updating and doing features and, and really just, again, we're, we're kind of playing these different roles of like bridging everything until the tech gets there and starts to fill in these gaps. But yeah, we're, we're the bridge, I guess, to say. <laughs> Continuing. I wanted to ask about your user reach right now. How wide is that? And where are you seeing people adopting this? And maybe you can also tell us about this curated collection that was recently announced that's very cool. Yeah. So so our user, our user reach, as we were saying before, is we have interior designers, we have a ton of furniture brands. We have furniture dealerships, and we also have a lot of in-house <laughs> designers, even workplace managers that use Kanawa. And so from like a target audience, it's pretty diverse, obviously right now, very like interior design industry heavy. And it's 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 national, it's throughout the United States. So currently we're not in the metric system, that is part of the roadmap. And so our hope is one day to then go international, but for right now we're we're in the United States. I wanted to know, you know, since we talked to Fed, and that's been a while ago, how your user base has grown, like what's the reach that you all have right now in terms of impact? Like who are you serving and, and what does that number look like? Yeah. So currently we just passed 1,200 users, which we're really excited about. And that really, the reach there is between interior designers, furniture dealers, you know, furniture brands, in-house designers at companies that that are using Kanoa currently. And within that, we're actually, we're, we're seeing around like three to 400 monthly active users in the platform, which is also really exciting. What is it like working on something that you're, you're kind of building it while you're growing it and all of that is happening at the same time? So what is that experience like for you all? I'd say it's really exciting. It's really exciting because at least in my career, I've always I've always come into pretty established companies outside of addition. So I was always the optimizer and now I'm we're the builder. And so to really build something from the ground up and then grow it at the same time is it's just a really exhilarating experience. It's exhausting, but it's also really, really rewarding at the same time. And I think like the best example of that is really bringing in like early adopters and early you know, users, designers in and just being like, here's a beta, go, go play with it. And then within like, you know, two minutes, they're already writing us going, oh my God, this is amazing. I know it's the beta, but if X, Y, and Z gets fixed, this is going to be an, such a powerful tool. I can't wait. And then we write them back and like the engineer just fixed it. And they're like, what? <laughs> this is amazing. And so it's just a really exciting time to be kind of at the forefront of developing this new this new platform and and it's not a siloed doing it it's really with the community and with the with the designers doing it yes that means it's a lot of work but it's high, it's like highly rewarding yeah and I'd, I'd also like to think just thinking about like additions like additions really set us up for preparing ourselves for being at Kanoa in the sense of you have to be agile you also have to do business development to get comfortable like 
calling somebody up like oh my god before i had additions i would be like oh like no and then now i was like oh it's like survival like we got a call right now you know so it's like there is this like switch that happens and i think being comfortable with the uncomfortable right and again i'm, I'm mostly talking about the emotions of being at, at a at a startup because this is really what makes or breaks you know companies too right like how how does the team work when they're under pressure and how how do you continue to move and continue to see the north star and i think this is why like again the alignment with their you know when we were additions in, in kanoa why it felt so right was because we were all we all feel the same and we're all very passionate about what we do and i think this persistence will like is, is what's really been key for us to keep moving but yeah i mean it's a startup world like you're constantly like you're changing things you're cutting off you know, parts of the of the tech that we you probably spent six months doing, and now we got to switch. And like, what does that mean for us? And like, to be like the problem solvers. And I think that's the part is, I personally, you know, enlist too, like, love to problem solve, and I love to build. And this entire team loves to do all of that. And such a good group of experienced people. I think that's this is why we've been so successful, and and why we'll, we'll continue to be successful. The thing that like I've learned a lot of, not just personally, like we were talking about like our career paths and being in a tech company, but what's really fascinating to see is that everyone at our company came from design in some form or fashion. So even like our lead engineer right now working on this Canvas tool that we're about to launch came from architecture and just then fell in love with with engineering and, and development and lead product manager also came from architecture and now she's in product management. A lot of the the visual marketing that you see was a pretty much a junior designer at a large scale firm pumping out CD sets and now is doing amazing branding packages. And so it's I think really like powerful and even like emotional almost just to see a bunch of these people that started in the traditional route and have just found themselves in a different way. But again, like design's problem solving. And so there's so much power to having an architecture or interior design or just a design background because it relates to so many skill sets. How do you see this more broadly scaling, if at all, to the architecture industry? And then what is your hope for for the architecture and interior design industry going forward now that you have worked at a company like Kanoa? Yeah. So I think the initial, so the initial is that it's a technology that works for you, not against you, right? Speaking from my own experiences, it's like you go to, you have to go to school, professional school. You have to like spend lots of money to learn AutoCAD and Revit and you know, rendering platforms and it takes a long time. And, and, and those, those technologies are not come how you want to design. They're like, you have to go through A, B, C, D to do it. And yes, there's a lot of technical skill sets that you need to learn to accomplish stuff. But when it comes to the creative side of things, all of us as designers have our own way, whether you went and worked at an architectural studio or you learned a different software, you have a different way of starting your approach to design. And what we want to do is let say we love that. And we built such a dynamic platform that allows you to come in and start in any way that you want and invite others into your process and learn from you. Because the more diverse we are in our opinions and our approaches and how we design, the better the outcome is. And so that's the initial, like our hope within Kanoa is a gamut of diff, like a diverse group of designers coming in and actually working together. And then as that, as that scales, you know, with that, we're hoping that a lot of different voices actually bubble up instead of just the top. 
And so with, with this, it's also how can we share the stories of designers at different levels, at different scales, at different you know, parts in their career, but also just different aesthetics and different likes and telling those types of stories across the board instead of just seeing kind of the usual <laughs> top stories that get featured in all the publications. Yeah. And, and to add to that, I think, again, Kanoa is a place of discovery, of education, of building community and promoting sustainability, right? That's really the the key things that we're trying to promote in, in bringing, you know, speaking to the brands and like educating, like bringing that it's knowledge data, right? That we're, we're giving to the designers. And again, you know, designers are not just interiors. It's, it's like graphic designers. Graphic designers are in here using it, right? So I think that this is where, we're not only touching like are the hardcore interior designers that are constantly, you know, understand this space, but we're also bridging other parts of other people because we all work differently. Everyone's hacking everything. Right. And, you know, you ask somebody like you ask additions of their tech stack. Like we were, we use auto, maybe 5% of AutoCAD light. We used like 1% of Revit. We used, you know, Figma. We used Miro. We were in Excel. Like I think we had like 10, 10, 10, parts of stack, right? Tech stacks. And, and, and I think for us to like, when we first started working with Panoa and on this big project and fully using the platform, it was just, I'm like, oh my God, like how come this never existed? Right. And I think that that was made it, made us so efficient. And I think as the tool continues to grow and we continue to build it and, and expand, you know, you know, now Canvas will be expanding to the inspiration point where you can actually, again, place product and understand cost of things at the beginning front, like this is going to be so powerful for like brands to be in the, in the minds of designers from the beginning. Right. Cause I don't know how many times that I would want to specify, you know, a product and I'm like, Oh, well I have to go to the rep and then I have to wait a couple of days. And I think for these brands to come on here and like showcase that information, cause they already have it. They just don't know how to get to certain people. Right. And I think that this is where, the power of the tech is is absolutely impressive and we just we can't wait for for canvas to launch and for people to actually try it out because it is going to be you know approachable easy playful and that's really all we're trying to do we're not trying to be pretentious we're trying to be like come on the platform everyone's a designer and like you should have access to good design anywhere at any time Hi, Disruptors. If you like the content from today's show, you can find all of our past episodes over on practiceofarchitecture.com slash podcast. Be a part of the conversation by joining us, our speakers, and others in the community at practiceofarchitecture.com slash community. Our social media handle is practiceofarch. That's practice of A-R-C-H. We'd love to hear from you. So feel free to drop us a DM and say hello. Thank you for joining us on Practice Disrupted, a podcast by the Practice of Architecture. Tune in next week for a new conversation on change in the profession.